What is going on, everybody? We are back with the Our City Podcast. A little bit to talk about today. First of all, the Mets, of course, um, not a great start through the first 15 or so games of the season. They're 7-9 on the year. They currently sit in third in the NL East. They're three and a half games back of Miami and Atlanta. And this past week wasn't really the best from an offensive standpoint. Now, their pitching has gotten better. Uh, in terms of the rotation, Michael Waka is now on the IL. I know that that's not good. But that will almost assure that David Peterson will stay in the rotation. The bullpen has been great over the uh, in the month of August. It's The only problem right now has been the offense. Now, I know I said... With, we'll come back to the rotation in the bullpen in a minute. And I know what I said with the offense is that this was going to be what carried them throughout the year. But what the problem is, is the it's kind of flip-flopped. So you expect the big guys to contribute to be like Pete Alonzo and Ramos. Uh, Conforto's been contributing. Uh, J.D. Davis has been contributing. But some of the guys that you weren't really expecting to contribute are the ones contributing more. Andres Jimenez has been phenomenal uh, throughout his first little stint in the major leagues, looking like an early Rookie of the Year candidate. Brandon Nimmo's been great. I mean, uh, Rosario's been all right, but mostly the um, it's been Conforto leading the show, Nimmo right behind him. But Pete Alonso has not had a great start to the year. And there's, you know, people obviously with like the sophomore slump stuff. But I think Alonzo is too good of a hitter to stay like this. He's been 197 on the year. He's got two homers, six RBIs, and a 649 OPS and 61 at-bats. Now, that's not the Pete Alonzo that we all have come to know. But again, this, like I said in the last episode, uh... Pete Alonso, he just is going to need time. I And he's been starting to get better. Uh, that wasn't proper English. He's been getting better lately. He's been walking a lot more, getting on base a little more. So he's slowly starting to come around. But, I mean, it's not just Alonso. I mean, Acuna, like I said last week, just hit his first homer oh, a week ago. I mean, I know he hit three more yesterday. But Yelich is, uh, last time I looked, Yelich was batting under 100. Cody Bellinger isn't getting off to a great start either. So it's not just Alonzo. There are a lot of guys that are MVP candidates or that are the top of their team that are getting off to a little bit of a slow start. And that was kind of expected with the way the season started and they were all ready to go in uh, February and March and now they couldn't play until August, and end of January and August. So it's kind of just a whole... It's just adjustment for everyone. And Alonzo, yes, he's off to a slow start, but I do think Pete Alonzo will turn it around. He's got a great opportunity. Uh, This week they have four games against the Nationals all at home, and then they head on a road trip where they have three in Philly and four in Miami before it's Subway Series time. Now with the Nationals, that's good for Pete Alonzo because Pete Alonzo was the best hitter for the Mets last year against the Nationals. He was fantastic, if you remember. And also, against the Marlins, he's been great. 
against the NL East in general, Pete Alonso has been very good, at least last year and in the early going of this year. He's been pretty solid against NL East. Hopefully he could continue that and use that as kind of a little momentum boost to get himself going back to where he needs to be. Now, like I said with the pitching, Waka is down on the IL. He expects to fully be back and ready to go when the 10 days is up. So he expects to only miss one or two starts. So right now the rotation looks like this. DeGrom, Mats, Rick Porcello, who looked great in his last start. His first two starts were not good. But his last start, he looked much, much better. He actually looked like the Rick Porcello the Mets signed. And then David Peterson with the fourth guy. And then that fifth starter spot is going to be pretty much up for grabs. I know there have been a lot of names that, or a lot of people wondering, like, oh, who's going to be the fifth starter? Who's going to be the fifth starter? Uh, Franklin Killame is someone who could get in there. Uh, Corey Oswald is someone who could get in there. The Mets have some options in the minor leagues. It's just a matter of who are they going to go with. Um, I probably think that either Kilome or Corey Oswald is going to get that spot, considering it's going to be such a short time with Stroman also very close to coming back. I think that uh, Kilome or Peterson, or excuse me, Corey Oswald is going to get the start. Uh, you may also see, I doubt this would happen, but there is a possibility Seth Lugo could get a start. I know he still considers himself a starter, even though he's been a tank in the bullpen. But also, you could see a bullpen game. You know, what the Rays did last year, they started with the opener trend. For those two turns in the rotation, you could see the Mets possibly start with Lugo and then have a bullpen game. But I don't. I also don't think that's likely because... Uh, with starters are not going as deep outside of the ground. They're usually going about five or six. So not too bad, but not great. You're look especially when you got DeGrom and Mats out there, you're looking for about uh seven. You're looking for about seven or eight from DeGrom and then about six or seven from Mats, and then about five or six from everyone else. So the bullpen is gonna be getting work in. So a bullpen day Probably not going to happen, but again, we don't know. Uh, a lot to the lot is up in the air. Uh, Edwin Diaz and the Mets bullpen have been great in the month of August. They have a combined ERA under one in the month of August. Uh, Edwin Diaz has been used in different spots outside of the closer role. Uh, Luis Rojas has put him in there in the seventh and the eighth. Hasn't had him close in a while. Uh, Justin Wilson shut the door. Uh, was it two nights ago against the Marlins? Seth Lugo closed the door for the series win last night or yesterday afternoon. So uh, it feels like that the Mets are kind of starting to veer away from Diaz, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But if I were the Mets, which is what this is what I think they're doing, and I hope this is what they're doing, they're kind of using Diaz in different situations to kind of get his mojo back, get him back to where he was in Seattle where he saved uh, 60 games uh, was two years ago and so they've been using him in different spots trying to get his mojo back a little bit and then plug him back into that closer role but what's great with the Mets is they have a good handful of guys that you could put in there as a closer Jared Hughes 
and Robert Gasalman, when he comes back, are most likely going to play long relief. Lugo, if you absolutely have to. But you could throw Lugo as closer. You could throw in Diaz. You could throw in Batances in there. Justin Wilson saved a few games. The Mets have some nice options in that bullpen. <clears throat> Please, God, do not put Paul Seawald in there. But <laughs> the Mets do have some options that they can throw in there. It, so it's not a bad spot for their bullpen. It's uh, not a bad spot for their rotation. It's just, again, the one thing that's always plagued them is injuries. And once with uh, Waka expected to return soon, him himself said it, Stroman is start throwing simulated games, so he should be back within the next week or so. The Mets rotation is going to come back. You're, then you're looking at uh, DeGrom, Matz, Stroman as your three-headed horse. Then Porcello, Waka, David Peterson. So the Mets could do a six-man rotation, but I do not think they will because of it's, because it's such a shortened season. They don't necessarily need to. I personally think David Peterson needs to stay in the rotation. He's been great. His first, uh, he's had about three starts now. He start, he's had like a shakier two inning in each start, but he's rebounded very nicely. His ERA is about in the mid-threes right now, and that's all you can ask from him. He's going about five or six innings. He's grinding through it. He's doing the job. I certainly think Peterson needs to stay in that rotation. For me, it's between Waka and Porcello. Now, when we came in to the season, the rotation was expected to be DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman, Matz, and then Waka or Porcello. And obviously, Noah Syndergaard, again, Tommy John surgery, he's out for the year. Then Waka and Porcello are both in the rotation. Then Stroman gets hurt. Now David Peterson comes in, and he's been great. So now the Mets are in a bit of a pickle. Now, I don't, again, they, I don't think they'll do a six-man rotation. They very well could. Um, they very well could demote David Peterson. They could put him in the bullpen. But personally, I think Waka or Porcello needs to go into the bullpen because David Peterson in his first three starts has been too good for the Mets. Or he's, he's earned a spot in that rotation, at least for this year as of now. Uh, the Mets are gonna. It's gonna be hard for the Mets to justify taking him out of the rotation when Waka and Stroman come back. Uh, again, this could all. A lot of things could happen. I mean, they could in fact do a six-man rotation. I don't think they will, but they very could. They could send uh, Peterson down. They could move him in the bullpen. Waka or Porcello could end up in the bullpen. There's a bunch of different ways they can go, but I personally think that. Waka or Porcello should go in the bullpen, and David Peterson should stay in the Mets rotation. Now, with uh, the last little bit with the Mets before we get into some MLB around the league talk, uh, it's all real, right now they're starting to come around a little bit. Like I said, seven and nine on the year, not a great start, but they're in a decent spot that they're not too far behind. Uh, if you you know when with a sixty game sprint. It's kind of like you can't come out of the gate slow, and the Mets can't come out came out of the gate slow, but not too slow. I mean, obviously they still have some work to do, but with about forty something games left, three to make up three games with about forty left, it's more than doable. I'm not worried yet. When we start getting in September, that's when I may start getting a little worried about where the Mets are at. 
but we don't know where they're going to be until then. So that's going to pretty much wrap it up for a Mets talk today. Uh, now we're going to do some around baseball action. Uh, most What I want to do is like a surprise, not surprise. So which teams are or teams and or players are kind of out there right now that you weren't really expecting. But before I get into that, I want to talk about the A's yesterday. Uh, for those of you who didn't see, there was a brawl during the A's-Astros game. Uh, the Astro, So this is pretty much what happened. From my understanding, I watched the videos, or I watched as many videos as I could on it. I'm just pulling up names right now, so I don't. I want to make sure I get the correct names. So, Ramon Lariano, who, by the way, if you have never watched him defensively, he's an absolute wizard in center field. Last year, he was arguably the best defender in the American League in the outfield. He was phenomenal. So he's up to hit. He gets drilled in the back by an Astros pitcher, and he didn't take too kindly of it. Whether there was intent or not, I do not know. I don't know how there would be intent. I mean, maybe I didn't watch the A's-Astros series, so maybe I missed something. But uh, Ramon Lariano didn't like it. He dropped his bat, kind of stared out at the mound, just kind of walked to first slowly. You could... Obviously, he's ticked off. He just got drilled in the back with a fastball. He didn't take too kindly of it. Then, when he's on first, he's talking with his first base coach, taking his stuff off, and Alex Centrone, if I said that correctly, the Astros hitting coach, starts barking at Ramon Lariano. Lariano doesn't like it, and he starts chirping back, and Centrone, I don't, I don't know if he, like, told him to come at him or said something that triggered him but then Lariano just pulled an Amir Garrett and charged right at the uh, the Astros dugout and there was a big brawl in front of the dugout now there are numerous takes with this Uh, obviously Joe Kelly was brought up during this because everybody's wondering well if you're going to suspend Joe Kelly for eight games excuse me uh, what are you going to punish these guys for actually fighting and then also in the league rules with the COVID restrictions in the in the rules because of COVID there weren't allowed to be brawls at to any extent so they're also going to have to back up their talk with that personally I think an event like that when brawls happen like this whether it's like Amir Garrett last year charging the Pirates dugout, or yesterday with Ramon Lariano and the Astros, or if it's any fist, any fight that breaks out or bench clearing incident, I think it's good for baseball. And why? I think it's good for baseball because that's what you're going to see on the media. If you're talking about growing the game, you're going to bring in a whole if you're going to bring in a whole new group of fans when you see. There's a fight in a... Oh, you're going to see the fight. Oh, that's cool. I want to go check this out. And some of them may stay and watch baseball, but some of them, for that little bit, baseball is going to have their name in the spotlight for because of the brawl. So in a way, it's good, but also it's bad because you don't want guys fist fighting each other. Uh, you know, with the Hunter Strickland-Harper fight, it virtually ended Michael Morse's career because he slammed his head into Jeff Samarge's head. So obviously with injury risk and 
potentially career risks. There's a lot of stuff going on there. But what I didn't like about it was, based on the video, what I watched the video, what it looked like to me was Cintron was telling Laureano to come at him. He told him to come at him. Laureano's like, bet. Spiked his helmet down and ran at him. And then, if you notice, he takes a few steps back and all the Astros players come out of the dugout and stand right in front of Cintron. So... I mean, he kind of like, he called him out, and I guess he wasn't really expecting Lariano to come at him, and then he did, and he's like, oh, crap, I got, I'm got i not doing this, and kind of backed away a little bit, which was kind of annoying. What's also kind of annoying is there will be suspensions given out, as there always is with a fight, and as there probably should be, but if you look at who's getting suspended, an Astros hitting coach, and trust me, they're going to need him with the way Altuve, Bregman, and Correa have been this year. You get the hitting coach suspended for the Astros. You get a position player suspended for the A's. Now, I'm sure there's going to be more suspensions or fines given out. But to me, it's, I mean, if you're trying to give equal punishment because both sides were at fault, suspending a coach from one team and a position player from another really isn't fair. But I mean, I guess it's one of those instances like that's just who was involved. So I guess there's really nothing they can do about it. But again, I didn't watch the whole series. I don't know if there's more to it. Uh, there may very well be more suspension. I'm expecting more suspensions and or fines to be given out. But also what I didn't like was that these beat writers on Twitter were saying, oh, this is bad, this is bad, bad, bad. But they were saying it was bad because of COVID. Now, I understand COVID is a concern, but if you think about it, you're watching two teams fist fight each other. There's the, such a higher risk for, you know, black eyes or broken bones or br- bit bruises that land guys on the injured list. There's more chance for injury when they're fist fighting, and they're more worried about the fact that they got in a fight with regards to Corona, which is understandable because, you know, the Marlins got shut down, the Phillies got shut down for about a couple days, the Cardinals are still shut down, so... It's kind of like a double-edged sword, but I mean, I don't really think COVID would have been, if, if I was on the outside looking in, as an outsider looking in, COVID was not my, was not even a thought in my head watching that fight. So that's pretty much everything on that. It was actually, it was a good fight, not going to lie. But um, the next part I wanted to do was just briefly talk about like, kind of who's surprising, who's not in terms of teams, where they are on the standings. I mean, obviously, everyone's talking about the Marlins. They're 7-3 and three to start the year. They have a half-game lead over Atlanta. That is not going to stand. I'm sorry, Marlins fans. You just don't have enough. I mean, you could, but I, they don't have enough to keep up in the division. But with the new playoff format and the hot start, they could very well sneak in. I mean, you never know. Baseball's weird like that. But also, this is another thing I think that's great for baseball, is the Marlins. I mean, they were fully expected to come into the year and be garbage. And now that they're doing good right now, it's kind of good. It's not good just for for all sports. If you have a team that comes in that's expected to be the worst in the league, and they shoot out of the gate as one of the best teams in the league... I mean, you got you you kind of like that. It's going to get some attention to your sport, not just baseball, any sport. 
But uh, in terms of the NL East, Washington is kind of disappointing right now. They're four and seven, four games back in the NL East. I, the defending World Series champs, not getting off to a good start. I'm not counting them out though. That offense and that pitching staff, that three-headed monster with Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin, they're too good to sit in last place for long. They may pull another. They can't pull another 2019 where they start. Uh, Was it like 19 and 35, and then come back and win the World Series? That ain't gonna fly this year. But again, we'll see what happens with them. Uh, Milwaukee and Cincinnati. I'm kind of in eh on. I mean, Chicago has gotten off great at 10 and three, which I was uh, obviously I was expecting that whole division to be a race between the Cubs, Brewers, Reds, and Cardinals. But the Cardinals obviously shut down because of COVID. So now it's right now it's but they're still four games out. But they also have only played five games. Everyone else has played 13 to 15. But uh, Milwaukee, I was expecting a little more out of, but I know their starting pitching is kind of a question mark. Uh, and Yelich also has not been great this year. The Reds, they're starting to turn things around. They started good, then they kind of fell back a little. Now they're kind of coming back. In the West, best team, arguably, in baseball right now, the Colorado Rockies. Held a half-game lead over the Dodgers, and I'm loving Colorado right now. Now, I love, I've love i loved that offense since day one. That's arguably one of the best offenses in baseball, in my opinion. Now, uh, now you could say, like, the ballpark factor of course Field. These that, that lineup hits no matter where they are. That pitching staff, Sensatella and John Gray leading the way, has been phenomenal. The only question I have with Colorado is the bullpen. If their bullpen can hold it together, I think they have a very good shot to stick around for maybe not the division because I think the Dodgers are going to run away with them. I think the Rockies can definitely stick around for a playoff spot, especially with the expanded playoffs. I mean, was it two years ago where they tried that uh, monster bullpen, the super bullpen with Brian Shaw, Wade Davis, Greg Holland, and uh, Adam Adovino, but and that did not work out at all. But if that bullpen can kind of stay together, I think the Rockies are in a good spot right now. They got off to a great start. San Diego's also gotten off to a great start. But I'm not sold on San Diego. I know a lot of people think the Padres are a huge sleeper team coming into this year. I'm personally not buying the Padres yet because of their pitching. Their starters and their bullpen. I know they got Kirby Yates, and I know that uh, closing games, I know they got Emilio Pagan this offseason, who was phenomenal with uh, Tampa Bay last year. But that their pitching, I'm just not sold on yet. I think they need another solid pitcher. Uh, Chris Paddock is kind of like the quote-unquote ace of that staff. I think they need another stud pitcher. I know they got huge depth in the minor leagues. But I just need I need uh, more convincing with their pitching. For me to be sold on the Padres, I need more pitching from that. I need to see more what they got. I know Tatis and that offense is great, but I just I'm not sold on their pitching and I'm not sold on the Padres quite yet. In the American League, T 
Tampa Bay got off to a slow start, but they're coming around. Uh, Yankees, as we expected, leading the way. The Central I want to do last. Uh, the AL West, Oakland has won nine in a row in terms of winning percentage. I just want to double-check my math. They have the second-best record in baseball. The Cubs have the highest winning percentage. Uh, they are. They look like right now they're the team to beat. Their starting pitching is young and has been great. Their offense has been great. They're clicking all over. I really like Oakland. I know Houston is five and a half back right now, and they've lost five in a row. But don't count out Houston. Uh, Houston's gonna. Houston's gonna come around. I have no. That team is from an offensive pitching, offensive and pitching standpoint. That team is way too talented to be where they are right now and stay there. They'll come out of it. I mean, as soon as they can figure out how to hit without trash cans, I think they'll be totally fine. The Central, I am really excited about, the AL Central. Minnesota is leading the way. They've lost four in a row, but they got a half-game lead over the Indians and Tigers, and the White Sox are two games out, and then the Kansas City's three and a half out. I think that division could be a three-team race. I think Detroit's going to fall out. Uh, I don't think they're strong enough up. To, I don't think they're strong enough to hang around. But Minnesota, Cleveland, and the White Sox—I could definitely see the three of them neck and neck the whole way down the stretch. Uh, White Sox are, looked really good this year. They started a little slow, but now they're starting to turn around. Minnesota in that offense is just scary, and then. The uh, Indians with Shane Bieber leaving the way with the Biebster. He's been phenomenal. Early favorite for Cy Young. or Right now, he's the Cy Young in the American League. But it's that's going to be a fun division to watch. Um, and that's pretty much uh, going to wrap it up. Uh, we talked about a lot of some Mets updates and some round league talk. Our next episode will be next Sunday. I meant to... Uh, put this episode up yesterday, but I got a little sidetracked with family stuff, so I wasn't able to. But next week, we will be hopefully back to Sun. I'm looking at Sundays after the Mets game to record and edit and upload it. So thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Our City Podcast. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, share, and make sure you're following us on social media at Our City Pod. And turn on those notifications so you never miss a video or Uh, notification on social media from us. Thank you for tuning in for this episode. We'll see you next time. Let's go Mets.